This is the Be Healthy Naturally podcast, episode number 13. Welcome to the best 20 minutes of natural health education and enlightenment on the web today. This is the Be Healthy Naturally podcast. Knowledge, empower, and elevate are the keys to living a happy, healthy life. With your hosts, often known as the dynamic duo, Dr. Shane Watt, a chiropractic physician, and Liz Watt, a holistic wellness expert. We bring our knowledge and education together to create a new way of thinking to elevate your life and your health. In order for you to live your best life, you have to elevate your learning. We want to welcome Dr. Ray Andrews to the podcast today, and we're excited to have you. So thank you for coming on today, Dr. Andrews. He is he is very unique because he actually has two, um, two offices, one in Springville and one in Moab. He's a functional health doctor, but he started out just as a regular, regular doctor. Weren't you like medical doctor, regular medical doctor, right? Were you seeing like them at the hospital and things like that? And and, yes, yeah, you're you're kind of small town doc, right? That's kind of exactly taking care of patients in the hospital, delivering babies, doing all the usual family medicine things. Yeah. And, yeah. you, and you started out in Moab, right? That's kind of where you started yes. with your practice. Uh huh. Yeah. So then he, after seeing so many different patients, started realizing that there was more to than just the medical, the medical route to be able to see things and start start to see things in a little bit different way. And so Dr. Andrews is actually one of our speakers at the Be Healthy Naturally Com- the conference that we did recently and he spoke on male hormones and also functional health but today he's going to talk to us about heart disease and um, how we can look at heart disease in a different way and how we can start to help improve our heart you know this this topic is actually kind of really close to me because that's how my dad died was um, heart disease and he was actually one of the very he was the very first person to be able to get a heart transplant with the pilot program that they were doing for someone that was over the age of 65. And so we do realize that there is really good routes of being able to do it medically, but also we have to start preventing this and look at different routes so that we can we can be on the preventive mode of this and doing it the functional route way. So thank you, Dr. Ray Andrews, for being with us today. And- yeah, we really appreciate it. It's going to be an awesome experience to talk with you. So let's just jump right into it. Let's just go into the biggest, what I call the biggest myth of heart disease, which is cholesterol. Why is it that the cholesterol has been, you know, considered the bad boy for heart disease? What, what, and, what's, and is that really true? Well, no, it's not true. And it's quite an interesting story. I can't give you the the long story. The short of it is that um, back in 1970s, there there was a um, concerted effort to demonize cholesterol to boost the um, sugar industry. And so so there was some um, misinterpreted uh, research that supposedly demonstrated that that um, people countries that had higher cholesterol had higher uh, incidence of heart disease and uh, unfortunately that um, um, that myth 
uh, or I should say that disinformation campaign has actually led to an explosion of obesity, diabetes, and heart disease and cancer right. in America for the last uh, nearly 50 years now. I but that it was the cholesterol and the fat and all that stuff besides it wasn't the sugar, right? Is that you're trying it, to say? Exactly. And it turns out uh, it's really interesting because something that struck me early on was when I learned that approximately half of people with heart attacks are found to have normal cholesterol levels in their blood. And many of them are already taking a statin drug, commonly known as Zocor, Lipitor, Crestor, and so forth. So you have to ask yourself, now wait a minute, cholesterol is the bad boy, and yet half of people with heart attacks have normal cholesterol we are definitely missing something. We're barking up the wrong tree in America. Um, that's absolutely tr true. And the, I think one of the biggest problems is that people don't realize how important cholesterol is in our systems, right? I mean, it, 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 it's very important in a lot of our bodily functions that we have to have. And because of this, I'll call it a myth, this myth that was propagated, it totally changed a lot of people's health for the worst. Um, and even, are you familiar with the, the, the number thing? How accurate is that 200 number anyway? I've heard different stories. Do you have a, do you have a thought on that? Um, how accurate is it? Or do you mean um, how, how valid is it, is it for prevention? Yeah, in terms of being, that's the number. You know, because they always put at 200, they're like, okay, now we're giving you a cholesterol medication. And my understanding is, that's kind of more a pharmaceutical driven thing because it used to be higher and then they realized they could make more money. Oh yeah, totally pharmaceutical driven. So there's a graph, pull it up. You can't see it, but I want to look at it to refer to. Sorry, I kind of threw this out of it and this wasn't one of the questions I had talked that's, to. You about. That's all right. So in this graph here, we see that, that when your cholesterol, total cholesterol is between 160 and 260, you have lowest overall mortality, death. But, but when your cholesterol is, but the higher the cholesterol is, starting with 140, your cardiovascular um, death increases gradually. So yes, they can say the lower the cholesterol, the less death, but the less death from heart disease. But when it comes to all-cause mortality, the lower the cholesterol, the higher the death. Well, I'm but, sure for you, you've, I've had patients that have come in and we've done blood work, and their cholesterol is what I would consider very low, and they're still on a medication. I'm like, and I'm sorry, I'm pretty blunt. And I'm like, I think your, daughter, your doctor's an idiot. What's he doing? <laughs> well, no, that's not safe. You're, you're in the, you're in the exactly. not Exactly. Exactly, because um, based, on this, based on the studies, you can see clearly on this graph that if your total cholesterol is less than 160, your risk of death increases dramatically. Right, yeah, it's crazy. It, to me, I, I heard it referred to one time as the boogeyman in the closet. Everyone's scared of it, but it's really not there. That's not the issue. Um, kind of like dietary cholesterol. We can talk about a little bit of that, but like several years ago, all of a sudden everything became cholesterol-free and 
uh, you shouldn't have eggs and all those other things. And I think that's kind of what you were talking about when the sugar industry said, well, if they can't have cholesterol and they can't have fat, we're going to load it up with sugar so it actually doesn't taste like cardboard. So can you explain a little bit about the dietary cholesterol and kind of the so reaction? That's, so that's great. It turns out that your liver makes more cholesterol than you can possibly eat. And it makes most of it at night, which is interesting. That's why statin drugs are supposed to be taken at night because then that's, that's when they block oh, the enzyme HMG-CoA uh, uh, reductase okay. that makes cholesterol. But what do we make cholesterol from? We make it from carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. All that we eat. Not, it's, it, the cholesterol that's floating around in our bloodstream is not from the cholesterol in the eggs that we eat. Right, right. So uh, the whole low-fat, low-cholesterol fad was basically a scam to get us to eat more sugar. And what happens when we eat more sugar is the body cannot dump uh, excess sugar. There's only so much uh, need that the body has for sugar. And so when it saturated its needs, then it has to store the rest. And so it stores it uh, by converting it into fat for later use, for later use. And unfortunately, because we don't hibernate, it never gets used. <laughs> it's a lot harder to take it off than put it on. Is what it's a lot harder to take it off than to put it on. And so, isn't yeah. the triglyceride number really a sugar number anyway? Yes. So, so, you know, I learned in medical school that triglycerides come from fats. And, right. then, I, and then I learned when I uh, started uh, working with actual patients that their triglycerides actually went up the more sugar they and carbohydrates they ate. Right. So it's not so much the fats that, that convert and uh, that are uh, reflected in the triglyceride number. It's the carbs and sugar. Well, to me, it's really one of those crazy things that, you know, it, even today, they look at, they, you know, if, um, if you go into a medical office, they might look at four or five things that are the most important. And cholesterol is always that thing. And it's crazy how many people are on cholesterol medication. I would, I don't have a stat in front of me, you might, but it seems like 85% of people that are over the age of 65 are on a cholesterol medication. Well, they, they want everyone to be on a cholesterol medicine. But something you mentioned earlier, let's talk about why does the body make cholesterol? Yeah. It's, it's actually for several reasons. Where do you think our hormones come from? Yeah, all of our hormones, very important. Progesterone. Uh, cortisol, testosterone, estradiol. Guess what vitamin D is made from? Cholesterol. So without um, cholesterol, we are actually dead. We do not exist. And that's from what statins do. They block that, that, that mechanism of changing it into vitamin D too, right? Isn't vitamin D and co, I think it's co, CoQ10 are some of the two major things with the, with the medications, right? Well, vitamin D is made from cholesterol. So if you don't make enough cholesterol, then you're going to be deficient in vitamin D. But how many of us are low on vitamin D? Anyway. And everybody's thinking that it's, you know, I need to take all this vitamin D, but it really comes back to the cholesterol. The overwhelming majority of Americans are deficient in vitamin D. In fact, one of the world's experts on vitamin D lives in, guess where? San Diego where you would think there would be no deficiency of vitamin D, but there is, yeah. even there. But um, so what are so some I, other things that I talked about hormones, but guess what else? 
every cell in the body requires cholesterol. It's made out of cholesterol. So again, not only are we dead if our cholesterol goes to zero, but we can't even make cells. We don't even exist without cholesterol. Now, are you talking about the lipid bilayer around? Yes, the, cell the lipid bilayer in the cell wall. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, what else do we need it for? Um, bile is made with cholesterol. Oh. Okay. And, and bile is essential for what? Digestion of fats. Right. Yeah. Which we need fats, believe it or not. Guess what the brain is made out of? Fats to be able to digest fats. That's kind of an interesting scenario there. Yes. Um, the brain is made out of fat. So if we, if we don't, um, if we can't absorb fats, which we think is a bad thing, absorbing fats, but no, we have to absorb fats. It's critical. But guess what else? Uh, vitamin D, vitamin K, vitamin A, vitamin E, those are all fat soluble hormones. We don't absorb them without bile, which is made from what? Cholesterol. See, I, I, I've never heard that. I didn't, I guess I didn't know that that the bile is the thing that helps you absorb those, those uh, vitamins. Absolutely. And then, and then think about another role of the liver, detoxification. What else is in bile? We process all of our toxins through the liver, and then we spit them out into the bile. Some of them, some of them uh, are excreted through the kidneys, but a lot of them are excreted in our stool. And so that, again, comes from bile, which, of which uh, cholesterol is an important part. Which is via the gallbladder, right? Correct. Yeah. Is that why so many people have issues with gallbladder is because the detoxification process, it, it overloads. And there's obviously something going on with the gallbladder not to function right. But is that why? I, I, don't, I don't know if I ever realized that connection. It was that I mean I knew it came through that but I never realized thought about that's why the detoxification ends up in the gallbladder yeah uh, that's a question I can't answer I don't know what uh, spurs other than our crappy diets no doubt play a huge role in sense if that's kind of the end thing of, of in gallbladder disease yeah yeah for sure but another point that um, that I want to make about cholesterol is it's a critical part of the immune system. So we focus so much on, oh, you have high cholesterol, we need to lower it because cholesterol causes heart disease. Well, actually it doesn't cause heart disease, but um, if you think about, uh, if you were to understand the correct roles of cholesterol in the body, um, aside from the ones that I already discussed, we have um, uh, cholesterol increases, or I should say the liver, produces more cholesterol to protect us from three things, inflammation, infections, and toxins. So uh, if you have a car crash and you see an ambulance, in traditional medicine, our approach is to ban ambulances with the hope of eliminating car crashes. Oh, but yeah. of course, we know that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work that way. But that's actually what we're doing in medicine because we see cholesterol at the scene of the accident. Right. And so we say, oh, that must be bad. We got to get rid of it. Well, cholesterol is your protection. It's the ambulance. So we don't want to ban the ambulance. We <laughs> want to instead find out why the dang cars are crashing. Right. Isn't that kind of why 
that how that whole thing started. They were doing like when a doctor was doing an autopsy like 70 years ago and cut into a artery and stuff came out and it was cholesterol. And they're like, oh, we figured out why. Now we know what causes heart disease. That was right. And how it all kind of started. Exactly. So, so really what we want to do in functional medicine is look at what are the real causes of uh, heart disease. And that uh, takes us a lot uh, deeper than looking at cholesterol. First of all, we look at a lot of, uh, you mentioned the four standard numbers, the total, the triglycerides, the HDL, the so-called good cholesterol, and the LDL, the so-called bad cholesterol. But guess who invented LDL cholesterol? Well, you can, some of us believe that was God and other people would call that mother nature or whoever you want to believe in. Right. But, but LDL cholesterol is actually um, essential to human life. In fact, to all uh, mammalian life, all animal life. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, if uh, we look at in functional medicine, a lot more numbers, we do an advanced cardiometabolic panel where we, we look at people's hemoglobin A1C, their insulin, their leptin, their omega-3 fatty acids, omega-6 fatty acids, their LDL particles, which are much more important because the, the large LDL particles are what we were born with. The small LDL particles are the ones that increase our risk of heart disease. And those are the ones that are increased by a lot of our bad behaviors. And then we look at HDL particles. We look at lipoprotein little a, and we look at homocysteine. We look at vitamin D deficiency, a big cause of heart disease testosterone deficiency, a well-proven cause of heart disease, hypothyroidism, gut dysfunction, and dental problems like root canals, and dental extractions, huge causes of heart disease. I think that that's probably one of the big things that we a lot of people don't even know that it correlates is with your teeth and with your heart and how you can really tell a difference by how your teeth are performing by what's going on with your whole body. Yes. Now, in fact, um, that is very poorly known. In other words, you're not going to hear it from your regular doctor or dentist and uh, decide for yourself why that is. But there is a, uh, a widely respected cardiologist, Dr. Thomas Levy. You may have, I don't know if you've heard of his book, Hidden Epidemic. Um, Silent oral infections cause most heart attacks and breast cancers. So that's a pretty bold statement for that. Is a hugely bold statement. Agree with it, but and he's a regular standard, just a regular medical doctor in terms of not necessarily functional health medical doctor, but he's cardiologist. Right. He's a he's a a big shot cardiologist, and he in his study he found out that root canal treated teeth have now been proven to have a direct cause and effect relationship with the formation of the blood clots that acutely block off the blood flow in the coronary arteries and cause myocardial infarctions. Oh, so it's more from the blood clot issue. It's not necessarily from the bacteria that... that Both. Okay. Both. He says... They really infect teeth. Yeah. And he says... Uh, root canal treated teeth are the direct cause for the vast majority of heart attacks, period. Wow, that's, that's pretty bold. Where's where he at? Very bold. Say his name again, what the book is. 
Thomas Levy, Hidden Epidemic. How old is that book? How long has that book been? This was published in... Fairly recently? 2017. Okay. Oh, so yeah, yeah. And he, he cites a number of studies demonstrating that PCR testing on the actual uh, clots as well as on cholesterol plaques and discovered the DNA of bacteria, viruses, and fungi that are found in teeth and in the jaws of root canal treated teeth. Wow. So the smoking gun is there and these aren't normal bacteria. These are bacteria or uh, the uh, microorganisms are the ones, the precise uh, microorganisms that are found in the jaw, not the kind you find elsewhere from other causes. So it's, it's uh, mind blowing. Yeah. One, uh, it's a game changer. This is some mind blowing information for those who are listening too, you know, cause that's always, yeah. Um, the teeth yeah. are very much an unknown. And I think even in functional health, a lot of people don't really understand how to test it and do things for it. So I think that's kind of one of the things that can be a wave of the future that people can really look at. Um, I've been to some different seminars and seen some pretty crazy stuff with, with things that they're doing with that. Now, one of the other things in functional health, gut health is always an important thing that is used to help someone get well naturally. How does that correlate with heart disease? So it's interesting, and over the last few years, they've uh, been able to determine um, you've heard of leaky gut, which we medically call intestinal permeability. Right. Because it doesn't exist, right? For those, at least forever, they didn't think it did. <laughs> of course. Um, uh, this stems from a number of, uh, number of different causes, but it's quite widespread. Um, they've discovered that, it, that when you have an enhanced intestinal permeability, whereby undigested food particles, bacteria, viruses, yeast, parasites can um, get in through the back door, so to speak, instead of being blocked by the enterocytes, the cells lining the small intestines, where we absorb digested food particles. Right. Um, when you get in through these cracks, those same cracks are also found in the blood vessels of the heart. And those same cracks are also found in the blood vessels of the brain. Brain. I've never heard the heart correlation. I've heard that if you have leaky gut, you probably have leaky brain, but now you can say you have right. So we have we have all three. Leaky gut equals leaky heart equals leaky brain. So it should be no surprise then that when we have gut problems, recognized or not, uh, we also have a much higher risk of heart problems and dementia well, and other brain problems. Just like a one or two sentences, just explain leaky gut for those people who are not exactly sure what that means. Just in a, in a real quick sentence. Right. So, so in leaky gut, you have gaps. A lot of people, whenever I say this to a patient, they say they're thinking, they're imagining like they're having diarrhea, like they're having squirts. But, right, right, right. But no, leaky gut is where in the small intestinal lining, you have all these cells called enterocytes that are hooked up together uh, with little bungee cords so that they're, they, have, so they have tight junctions. Right. 
And leaky gut is when those junctions are no longer tight. You know, typically we think of, of, of the gut as a pipe, just like we think of blood vessels as pipes. Right, right. They're anything but pipes, of course. They're actually a bunch of cells lined up one after another, and they're held tightly together. So a variety of factors um, of modern life, uh, different microorganisms, um, glyphosate, pesticides, a number of toxins, stress, inflammation, right? inflammation, antibiotics, um, high dose steroids, a number of things will cause the, these uh, cells to then come apart. And these cells are the gatekeeper. They're the gatekeeper so that things that are floating through the, uh, the intestines, if they're not designed for the human body, have to keep going. But unfortunately, once you have these gaps, then those things can get down into the bloodstream where they're then, uh, where then they um, meet the immune system. And of course, the immune system says, you don't belong here. You're not part of me. And that's when and inflammation occurs and things like that. So that's when we get inflammation, we get autoimmune disease, we get asthma, eczema, allergies, skin manifestations, rashes of all kinds. Well, you've been very informative on stuff. I mean, I've actually learned some stuff today, too. There's things that you've said that I didn't even know about. Is there anything else before we finish up that you, that you want to share? Just something that you think is really important that we haven't talked about yet in terms of heart disease, cholesterol, any of that, those things? Well, I, I think, I guess in some, we just need to, first of all, we need to be aware of what our real risks are. And, and I think it's important for everyone to undergo advanced cardiometabolic testing so that we can see where we can actually look at numbers that actually matter as opposed to the traditional numbers that are absolutely useless for so predicting that, heart disease. How is that different than what you normally do then? Well, what we normally do is look at those four numbers, the total cholesterol, the HDL, triglycerides, and LDL. It's a blood test, but it's just advanced, looking at more stuff, kind of like on a thyroid panel, instead of just looking at one or two things, right. nine or 10 things. We're so. looking at probably 40 different tests. And, and the nice thing is a lot, of, a lot of those tests can be improved by making simple changes. Right. But the nice thing about, uh, about doing this advanced evaluation is, you know, you might have a, you might look at, say, blood sugar and say, say, Mrs. Jones, uh, your blood sugar is normal, so you're fine. But in this test, we have about eight different indicators of insulin resistance that can tell us, um, yes, Mrs. Jones' fasting blood sugar is fine, but she's still on her way to diabetes and heart disease because her leptin is high, her hemoglobin A1C is high, her uh, omega fatty acid index is low, her, her omega-3 fatty acids are low, and uh, a number of other markers, her insulin is high, for example. So there's just a lot more um, that we can do to help people prevent disease rather than waiting until, oh my gosh, your blood sugar is high, now you need to take this drug. Well, that's the, that's the unfortunate thing about our society is that we're kind of, you know, 
medicine is basically a crisis care. It's no, there's no health care in, in medicine, basically. Exactly. It's disease care. Disease care. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for, um, for being with us. If you would, just give all your information so people can get a hold of you. They can find you if they want to come and talk to you, have a, con- have a consult, get any other information from you. So feel free to share your website, phone number, things of that nature. They can get a hold of yes, you. Yes, they can find us at www.prestigewellnessinstitute.com. Okay. And they can call us at 435-259-4008. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Andrew, for joining us. And we'll put that up so that everybody will put that in the show notes. And then also the ones that are on YouTube, we'll put that up so people can find you. And hopefully they can see a different route in their health so that they can get the answers that they need. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for what you do. We appreciate it. And we're grateful for you being one of our speakers as well, like we talked about earlier, because we, uh, you know, it was a great conference and we're hoping to have another one come in April. So thanks so much. We'll Can't talk- wait. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Be Healthy Naturally podcast, helping to make natural health care the standard, not the alternative. The more knowledge you have empowers you to make changes in your life. And because of this, your life will be elevated. Remember, your health journey is between you and your doctor. This podcast is not meant to diagnose or treat any conditions. However, if your healthcare goals are not being met by your current healthcare provider, then take control of your health and please find a doctor who is in harmony with your healthcare goals. If this episode was helpful and if you know anyone who can benefit from our podcast, share and leave a review. Sometimes all it takes to be our best self is just to elevate our learning. Mm-hmm.